So this morning we are still in our series following the encounters of Jesus after he rose from the dead and he had face-to-face meetings with a number of his disciples and other uh, people who were his followers. And so we continue that by looking at somewhat of a continuation from last week. If you were with us or listened to the the sermon online, uh, you remember uh, that in John 21, Jesus goes out onto the shore with his disciples as they're out fishing, and he addresses the disciples as a whole, the fishermen as a whole. And today, we kind of get part two of that encounter where Jesus doesn't talk to all of the disciples, but he talks to one disciple in particular, uh, that disciple Peter. And it's a simple conversation. It's a straightforward encounter, and yet it is very significant. And there are a lot of things going on, and there's something very deep and profound going on in this simple and straightforward conversation. It teaches us this really foolish thing that Christians believe, and whether or not you realize it, we Christians believe many foolish things. Like, probably the most foolish thing of all is we believe a man died and then rose again to never die again. That's quite foolish when you think about it. It's strange. But we believe it actually happened, that God did it. More than that, we believe other foolish things, and one of the things we believe in this story of Jesus and Peter is this truth, that my past is not fatal. Your past is not fatal. That's a strange and foolish thing to believe, Uh, especially kind of on our modern day, I think. Because in our modern day, um, we struggle to hold on to two things together. The two things that we struggle to hold on to is one, accountability and forgiveness. What we tend to do is we just hold on to one and let go of the other. And oftentimes in our day, and maybe you've experienced this, is we let go of the forgiveness piece, and we hold on to the accountability one. And we want to hold people to account, and that's a good thing. Holding people to account for the actions they do and the things they say, that is a good thing to do, to to be held accountable for, for things you may have done wrong. But when there's no pathway of of forgiveness, of reconciliation, of making amends, if there's no actual way to to acknowledge and confess wrongdoing and hope that things could possibly get better at all? Well, you know what you have when you only have accountability and no forgiveness? You know what you have? You have someone who believes that because of their decision, because of their past, because of their decisions, their life is over. That their past is fatal. There's no coming back. There's no moving forward. There's nothing good in front of them. And, and the thing about Christians, the thing about Jesus and the Bible, is we say that that's not true. That we believe a very foolish thing, a strange thing, that even when you're held accountable, your past is not fatal. Your decisions, your sin is not the end of you. And we see that in Jesus and Peter. But in order to see the depth of it, in this moment on the beach, in this conversation, you need to go back a couple weeks in time. 
from this encounter. You need to go back to an earlier conversation that Jesus had with not just Peter, but the rest of his disciples on, on a Thursday evening, the Passover Thursday evening. Jesus is sharing a meal with his disciples, and, and we reflected upon this, you know, a handful of months ago, right? On Holy Week, known as Monday Thursday, and Jesus shares these words as he's giving them the, the Lord's Supper, as we call it, and Jesus says these words to his disciples. He says that all of you will fall away because of me tonight. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And then Peter, he answered, saying, Though they all fall away, I will never fall away, Jesus. And then Jesus looks at Peter and says, Truly, truly, I tell you, Peter, that before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. If you know anything about Peter, you probably know that Peter is a confident guy. He's a brash and, and confident guy. As you read through the Gospels, you get that very clearly. And he's confident in his faithfulness to Jesus. Like he, he, he's the first one to really recognize that Jesus really is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior. And he believes him. He trusts him. And Peter is confident in his faithfulness to Jesus. He is very confident in that. And, and that could be an admirable thing, but here's the thing that we come to realize is that sets Peter up to fail. Because he was confident in his faithfulness. And when you place your confidence in the wrong thing, no matter how good it may look, you're setting yourself up for failure and disappointment. And that's what Peter was setting himself up to do because because shortly after this conversation, Jesus is then arrested in the garden by, by people coming with torches and swords and yelling, and they come and they, they take him away in chains. And in that moment, Peter is still being faithful. He's still following Jesus, and quite literally, he follows where they take him to all the different places that they led him to accuse Jesus and to, to bring the trial in front of Jesus and Peter follows him for a good amount of way, and he's seemingly a faithful follower of Jesus until they're waiting in a courtyard. And Peter, it says, is, is waiting outside, and it's taking quite a long time. And it says this in John chapter 18, that at that moment, a servant girl at the door, as they're standing outside, said to Peter, you're also, you're also one of these, this man's disciples, aren't you? And then Peter said three words that, that I imagine he would like to, if he could, like grab them midair. You ever do this where you say something and you realize, I would love to pull those words back into my mouth? I imagine Peter would love to do that in this moment because the servant girl says, aren't you one of his disciples? And he says three words he wish he could take back. He says, I am not. I am not. And it says, the servants and officers, they had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were all standing there and Peter was standing along with them. Peter said he would never deny Jesus and yet what do we see him doing? Denying Jesus. Two things from, from John 18, from this example, that I want to highlight to you. The first is this, that, that they were standing around what? A charcoal fire. And, and this may be 
an overgeneralization, but in my personal experience, when you get guys around a charcoal fire, bad decisions are usually made. <laughs> right? And again, that may be true of women too, but, but I know in my experience, you get dudes around a charcoal fire, you lose some eyebrows, maybe you lose some hair, uh, you burn some food, or you, you, like, you, you set off a fire that they can see from space. <laughs> Bad decisions sometimes are made when dudes get around charcoal fires and when you get lighter fluid and you get food and all that kind of stuff. And, and here you see Peter falling prey to the the guy in charcoal fire syndrome. He's making some dumb decisions. He's giving in, and he's doing something that he is going to regret. But, but the second thing I want you to see is that who asks him the question? Who is the person that approaches Peter and says, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? John tells us it's a servant girl. Now, we skim right past this, but I think this is significant because because what you have in this moment is you have someone who in that society is a servant. Lowest of the low. Like there are orders, there's a hierarchy to, to people you listen to and when they ask you questions you can answer them and, and their testimony is going to be worthy and people will listen to them. And she's a servant. But more than that, she's also a woman. Which in that culture, that's like a double whammy. And so here's the thing. A servant girl comes up to Peter and asks him, are you not one of his disciples? And Peter knows, he knows, that even if he says, yeah, I am a, I am a disciple of Jesus, and she goes to tell on him, he knows nobody's going to care or believe her. And yet what, is, what does Peter do? He gets afraid, and he gives in immediately. And then it continues on, John says, is, is a little while after that, Peter's still standing by the, the charcoal fire, warming himself, and so others said to him, aren't you one of his disciples? And, and he said again, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, who had seen him earlier that evening, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it. He said, I am not, I am not, I am not. He doubled down, and once he was in the lie, he needed to go further. And then it says, after he said it the third time, the rooster crowed. And he remembered that conversation with Jesus. He remembered how Jesus told him, this is what's going to happen, Peter. And Peter said, no, I would never do that. And now Peter's standing in that very moment. The man who said he would never deny has denied. The man who said he would never turn away from Jesus had turned away. The man who said he would never reject Jesus has just rejected Jesus again and again. And it says in that moment, Peter wept bitterly. Recognized the, the pain he had done, the mistake he had made, the sin he had committed. A number of years ago, uh, a man by the name of Michael Novak, who was a Catholic philosopher, he wrote a book called Belief and Unbelief. And in it, he talks about three different types of faith, three different types of belief that we all have. The first type of faith we have is the stuff that we, we share, the stuff we say, I believe this, 
this is what I, I believe is true, and this is the stuff we say in public, we say to other people, we say in front of others. This is one type of belief. And there's another type of belief that says it's the one that we have in our heart or our mind. This is the, the faith that we believe is, is true, that we really believe, that internally we say, I really do believe this. This isn't just something I say for show, but we believe in our heart and mind that this is true. And then there's a third type of belief, a third type of faith, that, that it shows itself by the choices we make. Like this is like the rubber hits the road, so to speak. And this is what, what, when you look at your choices and when other people look at your choices, it shows what type of faith you have, what your faith is in by the choices you make, and it shows itself. And, and when you think about Peter, Peter, in a very real sense, in his faith in Jesus, he's got the first two types of faith. He told Jesus, I believe you. I trust in you. In his heart, Peter, Peter believes it himself. <laughs> He believes that Jesus really is the Son of God, the Savior, and he wants to trust in him. But what do we see Peter's actions reveal? Is that his faith has let him down. At least his faith has been misplaced by the choices he makes because he rejects Jesus again and again. And because of that, Peter thinks in his mind, I'm done for. My decision, my sin, this is the end of me. There's no coming back from this. I've made the wrong choice repeatedly. There's nothing that can help me. I'm done. My past is fatal. You know, maybe you've never realized this, but when you read the Easter accounts in the Gospels and the angels are there at the tomb, the women show up, and what's the thing the angels tell the women? They say, He's not here, for he is risen. We all remember that. We say it on Easter every single year. But they say something else to the women, too. And maybe you forget this, but, but the angels give a message. They say, hey, go back and tell the disciples and Peter. Why do they single out Peter? There's a whole lot of theories, but I think one of the reasons is because in Peter's mind, he he now thinks he is no longer a disciple. He's out of it. Because of his decisions, he, he's gone so far in rejecting and disowning Jesus, he is like on his own. He is not worthy to be called a disciple of Jesus. And so in Peter's mind, he's beginning to think, my decisions, my past, this is the end of me, this is it. And he weeps bitterly. And I think this is the moment, this is the part where you and I, I think, can, can potentially really relate to Peter. Because here's where I'm willing to bet that there are people in this room right now. There are people listening or watching that you feel like Peter. That you struggle with the thing Peter struggles with. That you think about your life and the decisions you've made that maybe nobody else knows about. And, and you think to yourself, there's no way I can move past that. That is the end of me. There's no way that, that I can move forward. My past is fatal. Like maybe you think about just dumb decisions you made like when you were younger. And you think, man, they're going to catch up to me. I can never move past them. I'm always going to be known for them. And when you think about it, 
you weep bitterly like Peter did. You think about decisions you've made and ways you've hurt people close to you, and those relationships have been broken and damaged, and you think, man, there's no way to repair it. There's no way to fix it because of what I've done to them. And when you think about that, you, you like Peter, weep bitterly. Or you just think about the trajectory of your life, and you're like, man, my life seems to be going, like, down and, and not up and to the right. And you just think about all the things you've done and, and the ways you've contributed to that, and you, you have just this overall sense of guilt and shame, and you're like, man, I can never get it right. I always seem to, to, to sabotage myself, and I can never get past it, can never redeem it, can never move forward. And when you think about that, like Peter, you weep bitterly. And if that's you, I want you to really hear this, that, that Peter's story does not end with denial. It does not end with his mistake, with his sin. It does not end with that. And the invitation is neither does, does yours. Yours doesn't have to end that way either. You don't have to believe that either. Because, let's go back to that conversation on the beach. John 21, Jesus is risen from the dead. Jesus is showing himself to his disciples again, but he goes specifically to Peter, and they're there eating breakfast together. And Jesus, in that moment, as they're sitting together, and he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. Jesus says again, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Jesus, I do. And Jesus says one more time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, you know everything. Yes, you know I love you. What is Jesus doing in that moment? Jesus is rescuing Peter from his past. He's rescuing him from the belief that his past and his decisions and his sin is the end of him, and he's rescuing from that. And he wants to do the same for you. He promises to do the same for you. And he does that for Peter first by revisiting the past with Peter. Like, that's why Jesus asked the three questions, right? Because how many times was Peter asked by those people, are you a follower of Jesus? How many times? Three times. And Jesus is very much bringing him back to that moment and saying, I want you to confront this, Peter. I want you to address this. I don't want you to ignore this. But even more than that, if you remember from last week and Jesus preparing the breakfast for his disciples, what did he prepare it over? A charcoal fire. And here's the thing about Jesus. He doesn't make mistakes around the charcoal fire. But there he is with Peter. In the very same way where he denied Jesus over and over again, and Jesus is in a very real way bringing Peter back to the scene of the crime and saying, Peter, you need to deal with this. You need to confront this. You need to address your past. And so often we, we ignore it, right? We try and forget about it. We try and cover it up. Or we try and justify it and say, well, they deserve it, or they did that, and so I needed to do this. We justify it, we ignore it, we sweep it under the rug, and Jesus wants you and I to know that we will never get past our past 
unless we confront it, unless we deal with it, unless we acknowledge it. Christians have a word for this. We call this word confession. Speaking honestly about our sin, about our choices, about the times we've fallen short, we don't ignore it, we confess it. We go back and we acknowledge are wrong. And here's the amazing thing, is the second thing Jesus does, he not only revisits this with you, but then he reverses your past. That's what he did with Peter, because Peter was asked the question, hey Peter, are you a lover of Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? And three times, what did he say? I am not. And so Jesus comes to him again and asks him the same question, Peter, do you love me? In other words, Jesus is coming to him again and saying, hey, Peter, let's try this again. I want to give you another opportunity. And this time, Peter gets it right. Says, yes, I love you, Jesus. And here's the thing about Jesus is is he's coming in this small way and showing Peter that his past is not fatal when his past meets his Savior. And that's true of you. Your past, no matter how dark it is, does not have to be the end of you. Do we need to face account for it sometimes? Yes. But here's the thing. In the scope of eternity, Jesus promises you your past, your decisions, your sin, they are not the end of you. Because his forgiveness has been given to you. Just like Peter that the cross of Jesus is for you, that you were covered in his mercy, in his grace, and that that will get the final word, not your dumb choices. So, now it's your turn. What is the thing you did around the charcoal fire? The invitation from Jesus to you today is to not ignore it, to not push it away, or justify it, but to confess it, to confront it and bring it to him so that you can hear his word to you again. You are forgiven, that that is not the end of you, because Jesus has redeemed you, has rescued you, and promises you a future with him. We believe a lot of weird and strange things as Christians. One of those things is this, and one of the things that that Jesus invites us to believe is my past is not fatal. It's a foolish thing, it's a strange thing to believe, but I believe it. Do you? Amen.